Now, I know you're all big podcast fans because you're here, right? But what about music? I absolutely love a great gym playlist or a bit of classic FM while I'm working. But have you ever thought about the true power of music and how you can tailor your musical selections to boost your well-being? Dr. Amanda Krauss is a lecturer in psychology at James Cook University, and she's an expert in how we experience music psychologically in our everyday lives, and her current research looks into how music can make us healthier. This is so cool. I'm really excited to talk about this. Amanda, how long have you been studying this, and why did you start? I've been studying it for quite a while. So growing up, I was really interested in both music and psychology. In school growing up, I was part of the band, I was playing in the orchestra, and I was really interested in these two topics. And that's actually what I did as an undergraduate. I was in the US and I was trying to combine these things. I was really interested in music, learning about music therapy, but I was still really fascinated by psychology and child psychology. And then I discovered there was a discipline that's music psychology, where I wasn't trying to mash these things together. I could actually just do it as a field. And so I pursued a master's degree in applied music psychology in the UK and found the world leading expert in what I was really interested in. And it's just been going on since then. I'm just absolutely fascinated by trying to figure out the way that we experience music and how that affects us in our everyday lives. So tell me, you've been studying this a long time, but psychologically, what actually happens in our minds when we listen to music? So what's really interesting is we, my colleagues and I did a review that we published a few years ago. And what we did was we surveyed all of the published research looking at how the reported results concerning music and well-being. So I've done all the hard work for everyone. I've read, well, I probably have to do it again because it's a few years ago in this, this area of research, we just continue adding evidence, which is really cool, but it means more and more is coming out. So we probably need to update this review. But at that point, I read all of the studies that were out there and I tabulated every significant result, every well-being benefit that was mentioned from being involved in music. And this was both music making as well as music listening. And when we tallied all of that up, I found more than 500 different benefits to our well-being that came from being involved in music. So we can think about the benefits to our well-being in terms of our emotional well-being. So to be able to process emotions, to express emotions, to vent and, um, just really feel those emotions is a really common reason that people listen to music. And that's a really good benefit to our emotional well-being. There's also benefits to our social well-being. So music always has been an inherently social activity. Even we find research supporting now that even if you're listening by yourself, you can feel connected to other people. So it's not just making music in a band together, but you can also listen together build those friendships, feel company, companionship. It also helps us physically. And then also a final category for these well-being benefits is quality of life. People are, they use music, they look forward to music. It's part of what makes life life for a lot of people. So there's just an incredible amount of ways that we benefit. And what's really awesome is it's not one or the other. 
You can experience one of these things. You could experience all 500 plus of these things. So it's just a really incredible resource that we have for our well-being. Wow. I had never quite thought about those remarkable benefits. We did an episode um, around December with the incredible singer Libby O'Donovan about why everybody should join a choir. And that was super convincing. But it's really interesting to hear some of the research behind this. What is it about music, do you think, that psychologically makes it so incredibly powerful in these ways yeah so it sort of depends on who you ask so for me i'm a social applied researcher so i focus on those social connections that emotional involvement that we have and my answer might be different from somebody who might be a neuroscientist who focuses on the brain connections i don't know as much about what's going on in the brain but i do know that music lights up not just one area of our brain, but so many to the same. It's the same as like craving chocolate, craving sex. It lights up all of these things in our brain. So there is a very physical, neurological, structural experience to music that is exciting and dopamines firing and all of those things. But for me, I really think the power comes in just the ability that music has to bring us together, make people work together, build friendships, connections, and the emotional ability that we have. And one, and that's, for me, what's really interesting is that it's not been necessarily the notes, the melody, the harmony. It's not this one piece of music. It is the power that comes from the music is the we call it the extra musical associations. It's what you develop as memories attached to the music. So you can think of the music that you, the song that you danced to at your wedding, the road trip song that you had with your best friend, the first dance you went to in high school, all of these things, you can very clearly hold those memories tied to the music. And that might be a different song for you than me, than someone else, but that power of that music stays with us. And what's really fascinating is it stays with us long term. Mm -hmm. So the music that you listen to as uh, a teenager, a young adult, that's the music that holds that power for you for the rest of your life. And when you're older, it will prompt memories. And we see amazing research with people with Alzheimer's and dementia using that music as cues for memory, for nostalgia, for movement, for all of that, because we create such a special bond with that music. Wow, it's really incredible, isn't it, how powerful it can be? And so does different music, different kinds of music, promote different things uh, psychologically for us? Mm. So what my research has shown is that it's more about personal choice than it is about, say, a particular genre. Interesting. There is research that shows classical music is calming, it helps you relax, 
But also, if you don't like classical music, it's probably not going to work so well. <laughs> so <laughs> we can see this really clearly in some research that's been done um, to look at pain, for example. So there's this, I think it would be awful to participate in, but there's this test where you basically have to submerge your entire arm in a bucket of ice water. And the test is how long can you keep your arm in this freezing cold water? And they do that with different music playing in the background. And what they find is that if you choose the music, you can hold your arm, you can experience that pain for longer. And it's because you're able to focus on the music to distract you from that pain. We see it with uh, uh, coming out of surgeries. People can listen to music. It decreases how much pain medication we need. It decreases how much you feel that pain. And that will be better. Your outcome will be better if you choose it. So if you want classical music, great. If you want rock music, cool. That's going to be better than me, the researcher, or me, the medical professional going, you should listen to X. And that translates into our everyday lives as well. So the research that I was doing for my PhD, I was really interested in trying to understand how these new technologies we have influence our listening. So we can pull out this phone that we carry around at all times with us and pretty much listen to anything we want at any time, which is totally different from how we've listened to music in the past. So I was really interested in thinking about, okay, we have these different technologies. So is listening to music on the phone via a playlist that I've made different to hearing something on the radio, different to walking into the grocery store and they're broadcasting radio through speakers? And yes, the technologies we've learned do play a role. And so it goes back to this idea of choice and control if you're choosing the music, you are more engaged in it. You like it more, uh, you have, and, but it extends beyond the music as well as you are feeling more positive about the activity that you are doing. Because now in today's world, we hardly ever just sit in a room and just listen to music. Mm. We're doing something else. We're at the gym exercising. We're commuting to get to work. We're doing the washing up at home. So the music you can, if you've got sort of control over that, not only will you like the music more, but you also have a better time doing whatever it is you're doing or distracting you from doing something you don't want to be doing to help you do that. So I think it's just an incredible resource. And that may be then different genres for different people. It's really interesting, isn't it, when we think about it? Because I, th I guess... Um... Like you go to the gym and you feel like if you've got a great playlist on, it just feels really good. But I guess lots of us didn't actually think about what's really going on and why that makes it so much easier. What are some of the other ways that you've discovered that we can use music to boost our health? Certainly. So I think part of what comes into play here is the idea of whether the music fits the situation or the goal that you have. And so that's going to help you, right? So if we take this example of working out at the gym, let's say you're running on the treadmill and your goal is to run those five kilometers, but at two kilometers in, you're like, I, I, I just don't want to keep going, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> you can put that playlist on, you can motivate yourself. So in the, in the gym sense, if you're running, if you're exercising, 
you're going to entrain to the movement. So there's also something about the beats per minute, the tempo, how fast or slow the music is, that you can keep that pace and keep going. But it really will motivate you. Now, there is going to be some music that's going to be more fitting or appropriate to do that. Individual differences, but you're probably going to want something we found across asking people these questions that you probably want something energetic to keep you running. Might be different if you're at the gym doing yoga, trying to do your stretching and relax. So there is probably, you know, slightly slower music, more relaxing music, but this all comes down to your preferences for what fits or matches the situation. And so I think that's an important thing. Um, and is more or less uh, of an issue depending on what you're doing. If you're washing up the dishes at home, folding the laundry, you probably don't need to match the tempo to what you're doing (laughs) as much as if you're trying to run those five kilometers at the gym. So I think that comes into play. But what's really interesting is I get asked by students all the time about listening to music while studying Mm. because they all want to know, especially some of the younger students when I do school visits, they want to be able to have the science to tell their parents, hey, this is actually going to help me do it. (laughs) And I have to say that the evidence is mixed. So background music for studying, for working, The research is mixed in that some research says it's helpful, some research says it it can be distracting. And when we dig into that a little bit further, it goes back to both the type of person you are as well as the type of music you're choosing. So in a background setting, music can be helpful to keep you focused on the task, but you do have to consider the music that you are choosing for that. So you sort of want to choose music that is familiar to you. You want it to stay in the background as opposed to draw your attention away from whatever it is you're doing. So often people, the research says that you might choose music that doesn't have lyrics so that you don't suddenly Mm. start singing along focusing on the lyrics. Or if it's lyrics, it might be lyrics in a language you don't know. As well as there's not just the music choice, but then your personality. So are you somebody who can sit at a busy cafe and work? Mm -hmm. Can you have things going around or do you get distracted? If you get distracted, you might not be able to have the music on in the background because it might pull your attention away. So we can use music not only at the gym, but also while we're studying. And also just, uh, I think the big one is to pick up our mood, to, to manage our moods and manage how we're feeling. How can we, so there's a lot of things that go into our musical preferences, right? And what you're saying consistently is that we have to choose the thing um, that works for us. How are our musical preferences affected by things like culture and even seasons? Yeah, so this is really cool. So there's a lot of sort of minute level details, people's personalities, the situation you're in, the environment, the, you know, day to day choices. But there's also what we have these macro high level influences as well. And so we did a study where we were interested in whether the seasons were affecting people's uh, playlist listening choices. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that you might think, oh, that's like so far removed from my choices, but that actually does impact. 
So we see seasonal differences that aren't going to be the only thing influencing your music choices, but it is going on, whether or not that's a conscious decision. And what's really interesting is our results show that uh, people prefer more energetic music in warmer climate uh, months, so something like the summer, and more sort of calm, reflective music in winter. And what I find really interesting about that is it maps onto findings around seasonal differences for other behaviors. So we can think of seasonal affective disorder where moods fluctuate and that matches, as well as things like consumer behavior. And even there's research that shows people are more aggressive in warmer climates. So it seems like this pattern of seasonal influences we look at it in terms of aggression, consumer behavior, and also then our music choices. So interesting. And so how can we then use music to help regulate our moods and even process, you know, some of those more negative emotions? You know, we know heartbreak music is a real big genre. How can we use this kind of music to help us emotionally regulate? Yeah, so there's a researcher who one of their sort of statements is we we are our own DJs. Mm. And that's often sometimes unconscious, but can also be very conscious at times as well. And so I love that idea is that you are self-regulating your emotions through the music listening. And people sometimes ask me about uh, whether listening to sad music is okay. It's absolutely okay. If it's helping you vent or feel an emotion, if you're really angry, maybe letting it out through an angry song is a safe way of processing that emotion. So it's not only about needing to listen to happy music all the time to feel better. You can listen to sad or angry music to help you express those feelings, feel those feelings, and have a catharsis through that to make you feel better. We do see research that shows that it is going that that strategy is going to also be influenced by our personalities. So you do want to be a little bit careful if you find you are a type of person who ruminates, so sort of Mm. thinks about the same thing and sort of can get stuck in that loop. You might think listening to this angry song is making you feel better, but it might not actually be the best choice for you. So I think you just want to watch yourself and sort of go, okay, I might really like this song and think that it's doing something, but am I actually feeling better? And if you sort of spend a moment to reflect on that, you might go, okay, maybe I need to try something else. So not all music is going to make you feel the same way, but you can certainly use it to process and vent and feel catharsis and feel better as a result of listening to music. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And one of the things I was listening to a podcast the other day, it's called uh, The Happiness Lab. It's like psychology, positive psychology. Um, And there was an episode that they were talking about uh, using scents and um, I think it was like fragrance and like food, like taste, and using our senses to transport us back to a time to like boost our memories of that time. So like, for example, you would wear a particular perfume on your honeymoon, or you would bake a a cake on a special occasion and that flavor would also 
always transport you back there. Do you think we can do the same thing with music? Like if we're going on a holiday and we make a beautiful holiday playlist and it's like our Europe 23 summer holiday, do you think that would work too? Yeah, absolutely. So our two senses that are strongest for our memory are our sense of smell and our hearing. Um, And this goes back to what I was saying earlier of we attach these memories to songs. So very much, I think you will create those. And I think you could do it intentionally. Um, If you wanted to create that Europe playlist, then that is going to be the one that makes you remember that particular experience. And we can see these memories through music being attached to people, to events, to certain experiences. There is an area of research in music psychology that focuses on what's called strong experiences in music. And it's really cool. It's basically looking at sort of what is like the experience that you've had that's a musical experience that's been the most powerful. And we see that a lot of the time, actually, concert experiences are named as one of these really big experiences. And with these experiences, it'll be different for different people, but you can really call back, Mm. you know, so many elements of that memory that are attached to not just the music, but where you were, who you were with, how you were feeling, these emotional experiences um, can be really enhanced if there's music involved. How lovely. I really love this. And I really like anything that boosts something that we enjoy even more. And what's the one thing that you think people should remember or take into account or the one tip you want to leave people with on how they can really maximize the health benefits of music? Yeah, I think what's really easy is that really what we've seen through our research is music is already embedded into our everyday lives. We encounter a lot of it. We don't necessarily have to go out of our way to be encountering music. Um, Sometimes that's out of our control. If we're shopping, sometimes it's completely in our control. So I reckon the takeaway that I think is just, you know, put some music on. If you're feeling down, put something on, have a little dance have a little cry, experience and vent those emotions and, you know, use the tool. If you are a playlist maker, make some playlists. If you're not, you know, we've got so many different technologies where we can put something on to brighten our day just through a few clicks or dials that we have on hand. I love that. Thank you so much, Amanda. I really appreciate it. What a great conversation. I really enjoyed chatting to you about it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dr. Amanda Krauss is a lecturer in psychology at James Cook University, and she's an expert in how we experience music psychologically. I'm going to put a link to Amanda's work in the show notes and her website and her social media so that you can find out more about her work. And I want to say a super special thank you to Emily, who reached out on Instagram and suggested Amanda as a guest. Thank you, because this is a fabulous conversation great recommendation i really appreciate you reaching out to me if you guys are listening and you think damn that would make a great show or i would really love to hear an episode on that send me an email edwina at edstock.com 
or you can follow me on Instagram, that's helpful pod, and just send me a DM because I always love to hear suggestions from you guys and I always love feedback. So if you are enjoying the series, leave me a review wherever you're listening. On um, Apple Podcasts, you can leave like a little comment, which is always really beautiful. On uh, Spotify, you can leave me some stars. If you don't like it, you don't have to tell me. That's fine. (laughs) Well, you can keep that between you and your headphones. But I really enjoyed joining you. And I'm so grateful to you all for listening. Thank you so much. I'm Ed Stott, and I sincerely hope that's helpful.